the tastes and predilections of future guests. They would hardly come wandering through to sample a sauce or talk about the turn of the meat. So the kitchen had been left alone, just as Gowan remembered it from his childhood. The old tile floor of dull red and muted cream still made a pattern like an enormous draft board. Lines of coruscating brass pans hung from oak stringers against one wall, where iron fixtures were like smudgy shadows on the cracked ceramic surface. A four-tiered pine rack atop one of the counters held the everyday dishes of the household, and beneath it a tri-cornered drying stand wobbled under its burden of tea towels and cloths. Pottery urns stood on the windowsills, holding oddly tropical plants with large palmate leaves, plants that by rights should have withered under the icy adversities of a Scottish winter, but nonetheless thrived in the room's warmth. It was, however, far from warm now. When Gowan entered, it was nearly seven, and the frigid morning air had not yet been cut by the huge stove heating against one wall. A large kettle steamed on one of the burners. Through the transomed windows, Gowan could see that the previous night's heavy snowfall had smoothly sculpted the lawns rolling down to Loch Achimur. At another time, he might have admired the sight. But right now, righteous indignation prevented him from seeing anything but the fair-skinned sylph who stood at the work table in the centre of the kitchen, covering trays with linen. "'Explain this to me, Mary Agnes Campbell.' Gowan's face flushed nearly to the colour of his hair and his freckles darkened perceptibly. He held out a discarded piece of stationery, his broad, calloused thumb covering the Westerbray estate crest upon it. Mary Agnes directed guileless blue eyes towards the paper and gave it a cursory glance. Unembarrassed, she went into the china room and began pulling teapots, cups and saucers from the shelves. It was every bit as if someone other than herself had written Mrs. Jeremy Irons, Mary Agnes Irons, Mary Irons, Mary and Jeremy Irons, Mary and Jeremy Irons and family, in an unpractised script up and down the page. Hwa, Boot, she replied, tossing back her mass of ebony hair. The movement, designed to be coy, caused the white cap perched rakishly over her curls to fall askew over one eye. She looked like a charming pirate. Which was part of the problem. Gowan's blood had never burned for a single female in his entire life as it burned for Mary Agnes Campbell. He had grown up on Hillview Farm, one of the Westerbray tenant holdings, and nothing in his wholesome life of fresh air, sheep, five brothers and sisters, and boating on the loch, had prepared him for the effect Mary Agnes had upon him every time he was with her. Only the dream of some day making her his own had allowed him to keep hold of his reason. That dream had never seemed entirely out of the range of possibility, in spite of the existence of Jeremy Irons, whose handsome face and soulful eyes, torn from the pages of countless movie magazines, graced the walls of Mary Agnes's room in the lower northwest corridor of the great house. After all, girlish adulation of the unreachable was typical, wasn't it? Or so Mrs. Gerard had tried to tell Gowan when he daily unburdened his heavy heart to her as she supervised his advancing skill at pouring wine without sloshing most of it onto the tablecloth.
That was all fine and good, so long as the unreachable remained unreachable. But now, with a houseful of London actors to mingle among, Gowan knew very well that Mary Agnes was beginning to see Jeremy Irons within her grasp. Surely one of these people was acquainted with him, would introduce her to him, would let nature take its course from there. This belief was attested to by the paper Gowan held in his hand, a clear indication of what Mary Agnes felt the future had in store for her. "'Why, Boot?' he repeated incredulously. "'You left this lying in the library. That's what a boot!' Mary Agnes plucked it from his hand and shoved it into her apron pocket. "'You're kind to return it, laddie,' she replied. Her placidity was infuriating. "'You give me no explanation.' "'Tis practice going.'